0: Here is Bryce Johnson.
1: Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast. I'm Bryce Johnson. It's the show that unpacks sports, faith, and life. And what a weekend we had in sports. I mean, last week, of course, was the Super Bowl. And and sometimes that that following weekend is always a letdown. It's like, oh, man, NFL season is over. It's like, "What, what do we do now? But I tell you what, it was loaded with entertaining games, some big stories, and so we're going to discuss all of those big games today on the show, including Duke and UNC, and it was a fascinating finish and, and so much to get into uh, with with that win for Duke, and, and then also the XFL got going, uh, which is intriguing. Uh, I caught the Bobby Knight halftime recognition, his return to Indiana, so I've got some thoughts on that. Also, I'm bringing a segment back to this show. Actually, I'm debuting it. I'm bringing it back because it used to be on one of my old shows, and I am debuting it today. It's called What's Boiling Bryce? So you'll want to stick around and hear what is boiling me on a Monday. And then also, we'll wrap up the show with Unpack This, a, a quick thought about sports, faith, and life, and it will be about the Duke-UNC game and, and really what stood out to me the most uh, about that game. So, today in studio, we're here in the Unpacking His studios with a special co-host for the day. He's a UNC fan. He's a, a big supporter of the ministry, a big, a big part of What we do here at Unpacking It. It's Chris Blackman. Chris, making your debut. How are you, man?
2: Hey, Bryce. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, We're still recovering from Saturday night Uh, after an unbelievable basketball game. But I'm doing great, man. Glad to be here and uh, happy to be alive.
1: Yeah. What do you think of the studio?
2: This is awesome. We got Hornets. We got Tar Heels, Duke. It's awesome. All things sports. Uh, we, we do, I
1: got your Tar Heels up there. We got Tar Heels and Duke pennants right next to each other.
2: I see that. That looks, that looks nice. That's, that's appropriate.
1: That's right. I've got one UNC football player over there, Hakeem Nix, right. Charlotte's own. Yep, independent. So, so we'll, we'll throw him up there, but that's about the extent of it. I got my Jay Williams Duke jersey hanging up over there. So, uh, so yeah, so we're representing, so a uh, huge game Saturday night. And, and before we actually talk about the action, I've got to share how I watched this game. So six o'clock tip off, which is kind of an interesting time, but it seems like college basketball, they're, they're into this now. So because the NBA seems to start about eight, eight 30, they do these college basketball games right before that on Saturday nights. And so for me now with, you know, with a six month old, that's bedtime. And, and so I'm in charge of bedtime in our household. So Jody takes care of Maddie all the time. But when it comes to bedtime, I read, I do the bath and, and I put Maddie down and I've just recently started the feeding. So I know you may say, oh, wait, you've waited six months for this. Well, you know, I'm doing the bottle. We're breastfeeding, but uh, I've taken on the, the nighttime or the, the Before bed, feeding. So anyway, so here it is. Duke UNC. I'm a huge Duke fan. I've been a Duke fan since I was about 10 years old. Steve Wojciechowski got me into being a a fan. So what I decided to do, instead of missing bath time, I decided to record the game. All right? So DVR has saved my marriage in many ways, has saved fatherhood. So I love the DVR. But when you DVR the Duke UNC game, you miss out on trash talk instant reactions and of course with this game UNC fans were loving life for the first 38 minutes so so I'll pause there in the story so for 38 minutes how are you feeling about UNC and how well they were playing
2: I think for me it was relief I was like finally we're doing this the role players are hitting shots we're up literally 13 points Carey fouls out the five minute mark
1: which was huge we thought we thought that was huge.
2: I think it was just redemption, almost like we've had a bad season. Everything's gone wrong. Injuries. We've lost a ton of close games, and you're sitting there and you're like, "We're going to do this. We're going to beat Duke. Who cares if we go to the tournament? It doesn't matter. Like this is our Super Bowl right here, <laughs> right now, at home. We're about to defend our home court. Um, and then obviously things start to change.
1: So yeah, it was it was it was a wild first 38 minutes. And as a Duke fan, we went into the game thinking. All right, Duke's more talented. Roy Williams would even admit that. Duke's been playing better. They've only lost three games all year. And even though it was in Chapel Hill, there was still a level of confidence. But then the back, in the back of my mind, it's still, this is a Duke-UNC game. You throw out the records. Anything can happen. It's always a, a great game regardless. Uh, yeah, there's been a few blowouts over the years. But before the game, when they showed the stats, the last 100 games, 50 to 50, and the points were exactly the same. I mean, I was blown away. Like, I was trying to explain just how ridiculous that is to Jody, and I, I couldn't even put into words how unbelievable that is. I mean, think about that. The last 100 games, 50-50, to 50, and then this game on Saturday was only a two-point game. So, that shows you how close th- this matchup is. So, anyway, so, so I'm, I'm finally sitting down to watch this game, and it was later on at night. I ended up having dinner, watched a little TV with my wife, and so... I still have to avoid my phone, right. avoid turning the, the TV to a, a channel that would reveal the score, so I'm catching up on the DVR, watching some other shows, while eating dinner, hanging out, and finally go up to the man cave to watch this game, to sit down. I don't know what's going on. The game is already over at this point by the time I sit down. And I have to be very strategic in how I turn on the TV because it was most likely left on ESPN. So I'm turning on the TV from... Behind the TV. So I've got the clicker in front. And I've got to hit mute first. So I don't see anything. So I had to unplug my second TV. To make sure that that didn't turn on. and and So it was quite the ordeal. So I sit down. I'm watching the game. Maddie's sound asleep. And I'm dealing with the frustration of Duke losing most of the game. Vernon Carey's playing well. He fouls out. And then all of a sudden he goes down. Trey Jones takes over. The, the lineup that Duke was using was very interesting. They went small. They spread out the floor, and it allowed Jones to really you know just get hot, get to the rim. I mean, he was having his way with Carolina's defense and, and put the team on his back, and it gave me the confidence to say, this Duke team can make a run deep into the tournament because of the point guard play. He's a sophomore. We saw what his brother Tyus Jones did when he was there, so I felt a lot better even after, after this, this big win uh, because of the way Trey Jones played. But it was interesting that Vernon Carey goes to the bench, and now all of a sudden Duke's overall play, overall offense, was thriving more, which I don't know. I don't want to draw too many conclusions to that, but I thought that was definitely interesting because Carey's unbelievable. He's, he's up there as you know, ACC Player of the Year, if not National Player of the Year, in the mix. So all this is going on. So finally toward the end of the game, Trey Jones hits the the buzzer beater, to tie the game to send it into overtime. So what did I do? I yelled. I mean, I went nuts. I was all fired up. And so Jody is sitting there, you know, not really watching the game, but sitting there with me. She's not a huge sports fan, but she allows me to be a sports fan and uh, understands what a big game it is. However, she's now yelling at me for yelling. So here I am. I've got these mixed emotions of Duke just tied the game after being down this entire night, but she's worried I'm, I'm going to wake up Maddie. So I had, to, I had to get my composure, keep my composure. We're heading into overtime, and now we've got five more minutes of this intense play. And so now I had to make sure that I DVR'd enough of the game because you know normally if you, if you just hit record the game, yes. you're getting a solid two hours, right? I was smart enough to add an hour, but I'm thinking, uh-oh, if this goes into multiple overtimes, I'm going to miss this, which would have been devastating. But thankfully, it, it only went to one overtime. So now, the game, it's kind of dragging on. Now, I control how fast I go through the game. So I'm zipping through commercials, but you still, you hate to zip through some of the free throws and and some of the the talk, because it builds the the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. you're into the game, so I'm into it. Well, it's taken a while, so now Jody has fallen asleep. So she's sitting in the chair next to me. She's asleep. And now, all of a sudden, seconds left on 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 the game. Uh, Jones misses the free throw on purpose, and you know the ball's bouncing around. And I'm watching it on the TV right here. So Trey Jones grabs it, throws it up, and then Wendell Moore grabs it for the layup. And by this time, I'm now cheering silently. No, I cannot make a sound because my wife and daughter are both asleep. I'm going nuts. Duke just won the game off of a, a an air ball slash alley oop, but most likely just a miss. And so Wendell Moore is the, the hero, and, and Duke wins. And what an exciting game. And so it was just an adventure for me uh, to, to, watch, to, to watch such an exciting game in those circumstances. I think it was the first Duke UNC game I ever watched on DVR. I'm not sure I want to do it again, but I made the sacrifices. I put fatherhood before fandom. And and so that was my, my Saturday night. So it was it was a wild wild finish.
2: Did you wake up, Maddie, or did she keep sleeping?
1: <laughs> she did keep sleeping. That's Good. A, that's that's a, the correct uh, question. And and Jody slept through it too. Even she couldn't hear me mouthing the, the cheers. Uh, and I'm I'm just beside myself that Duke came back to win that game. And and it was it was so dramatic. And it was probably the the best finish since Austin Rivers hit the three to win, at least as a Duke fan. And that was, what, seven years ago? I'm trying to think of a more exciting game. Eight years ago. Eight years ago. To the the day. Oh, 2012. It was 2012. That's right. So, that was, I remember going nuts in that one. I was at at an apartment uh, with a small group of of guys watching that game. We're on, like, the top floor going nuts when Austin Rivers hit that one. But, I mean, you you hate to be, uh, you know, oh, we're in the moment. But that was one of the better Duke-UNC games in a while. Of course, if you're a Duke fan, you felt better about that. But, I mean, overtime, down to the wire—that was that was exciting.
2: Especially with no expectations for that game to live up or deliver, you know, Carolina's unranked, and it really delivered. Yeah, it did, and they
1: Carolina played great, and really they they should have won the game. And and I'm gonna talk about this from from a faith perspective in just a little bit, but when you miss 17 free throws, that's the difference in the game. You can blame the refs and their missed calls and a number of other things that that happened, but if you take care of business on the free-throw line, it's never even a close game. Because, I mean, Carolina dominated for, for most of the game. They really did. Rebounding, I was so frustrated. Duke could not grab a rebound. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I couldn't understand what was going on. The defense for Carolina was really tough. Duke just could never get into a rhythm offensively. They weren't hitting shots. I'm, I'm looking around going, can anyone on Duke shoot? Like, where is J.J. Reddick? Are we really that far away from, from the J.J. Redick days that nobody can even shoot the ball anymore. So so it was crazy to to, to see what Duke was doing and then to, to just chip away at the lead toward the end. But really, it was the missed free throws that kept Duke hanging around. Because when you're getting 0 or 1 and Duke's getting 2, sometimes 3, because they eh, even that, I don't even think Duke ended up hitting many 3s. It was the and 1s. Actually, that's what helped. Duke got a couple and 1s. Late ones. and 1, late. So uh, so anyway, it was, it was just an incredible game. And um, I, I'm, I'm a little bit more confident in Duke's championship chances after that win because it showed they can come back. It showed they have someone to carry them down the stretch, which is what you need. And, and so even if Vernon carries off the floor, Duke found a way to win. So um, I, I will say, though, I, I missed the trash talk during the game. I... I I missed getting you know getting some text threads going, so i had to I had to miss out on that aspect of it, which was the downside to dVR in the game
2: where you, where did you put your phone to make sure uh this wouldn't be an issue
1: that's, that's exactly it so i uh yeah I had it just yeah plugged in and away from everything, but I also have my phone connected to my computer and so i get text updates on my computer and so I happened to go and check my my text uh. It must have been during halftime of the game. But nothing about... I didn't find anything out about the game. But one of my buddies, one of my longest friends, we've known each other probably since first or second grade, he grew up as a Duke fan. I convinced him to be a Duke fan growing up. Okay. Then he chose to go to UNC for college. So he's far gone from being a Duke fan. He's all in on Carolina, went to Chapel Hill, loves them. But when we were in middle school... I went to Carolina basketball camp, and even as a Duke fan, I had to hide my fandom because Carolina basketball camp. Did you go to Carolina basketball? I did not. You didn't. Okay. So it was it was a great camp. I mean, you go and my first year was Dean Smith. The second year was it was Bill Guthridge actually, and then it was Matt Doherty. Second year, not quite as fun as the first year, but um, because it was cool to meet Dean Smith, even as a Duke fan. But but so anyway so anyway so as a Duke fan, I went to Carolina camp. Well, I, I got all the Carolina basketball school gear, and I had a hat signed by a bunch of the players. I think it, it actually said in my man cave at home. But, um, but anyway, my friend sent me a picture of me wearing the Carolina hat and Carolina basketball school T-shirt. So he sent me this during the game. So, and, 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 and I couldn't believe that he found this picture. It was from 1998, total blackmail. Wow. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out why I took a picture with that stuff on and how he found that and and so it's very concerning that that is now floating around so i'm not happy about it but thankfully it didn't it didn't cost duke the win but it it did make me a little little nervous uh seeing that so uh that was the the one the one big text from from the game but i got the last laugh with with duke winning so that that helped
2: how (laughs) how have you felt these last 48 hours bryce
1: man it's yeah i've been what's interesting is i thought it was such a, a huge game but like I said, to start the show, so much happened this weekend in sports that I feel like it got overshadowed a little bit. And and even in just hearing some of the, the big stories of the day, I mean, people are talking about could Tom Brady go to the Dallas Cowboys and that's that's taken over. So it's funny how quickly we move on from the Carolina Duke game. But I always love for Duke to win the first game of the matchup in the, in the season because as much as this one, you kind of move on to the next game because now Duke plays Florida State tonight, which is a crazy quick turnaround and a little concerning. Florida State might be able to sneak one tonight because uh, that takes a lot out of you to win in overtime, the emotions, the rivalry, all that. So Florida State, they, and they've had Duke's number over the years anyway, and they're, they're a top-ten team. Um, but you always like to win the first one because the second game is always the last game of the regular season. We quickly move to the ACC tournament. Like, you know what I mean? Right, you, yep. All right, what's next? Oh, the ACC tournament. So it is fun for the next couple of weeks. Hey, Duke's got Carolina's number. They're, they're, they're the one to, to win most recently. So I've been, I've been pretty excited about that. So we'd love to know your thoughts on the Duke-UNC game. If, if you're a Tar Heel fan and you've made it this far into the conversation, uh, thank you. Thanks for still listening, even though uh, I, I am a Duke fan. But uh, shoot me an email, Bryce, at unpacking It com. Did you feel better following the game to, to say, all right, we lost, but at least we made it close. At least it was interesting. Or was it just devastating all around?
2: It was it was probably the toughest loss. Um, I even thought like we lost a championship at the buzzer. And I was like, this one ranks right up there. Wow. with it. Um I think it was just we were up 13 points. Carry goes out. It was in the bag. And then pretty much it was almost like prevent defense. Like, we let, them, we let them take layups every three seconds, and we couldn't make a free throw. Yeah. Um, you know, and even at the very end there, like, we're going to foul. We know we're going to foul. They're like, they're going to foul. And we foul with 4.4 seconds left. And there's so much time. Oh. And it all works out for Duke. And then you get to overtime, and you're like, okay, let's just lose. Let's be done. And it looks like it's going that way. And then all of a sudden, we're up five points.
1: Uh, the, the emotional roller coaster for both teams is just crazy. and. At going into the game with duke being the favorites i actually liked that carolina was up during the game cuz think about it duke could have on paper ah oh, they'll just run away game's over carolina says ah oh, this season's done who cares but instead it got carolina fans into the game the crowd was into it there was an excitement level you start believing all right carolina's going to win this game and then duke swoops in so that's that's the nice side of it from a duke perspective but it had to have been heartbreaking.
2: Yeah, I would say heartbreaking is <laughs> an understatement, Bryce. Yeah, I think it was like 24 hours later. It was like Sunday night. I was like, man, that was, that was the worst loss, like, just considering where we're at and just the hope that you have.
1: Yeah, and for I think back about all the Duke wins. The Maryland comeback, it was like Jay Williams, 10 points in a minute. Uh, that was, gosh, what year was that? 2000, 2001 time frame. That was one of the most exciting, thrilling, unbelievable comebacks in such a short amount of time. This was in that mix because Trey Jones was the only guy scoring, just like Jay Williams was kind of the main guy scoring. And, and then I think Batty had hit a couple of free throws. But, but yeah, Trey Jones and the fact that he could miss the free throw with such precision. I mean, think about that. Missing a free throw and it going exactly where you want it to go. And apparently he had been practicing that. He was prepared to do that. That's unbelievable. I mean, that's a crazy thing to do. And then for it to happen again in overtime and you miss differently and for the ball to bounce exactly kind of the way you needed it to, you still miss the shot, yet you get a guy to to, to catch it and put it in. Unbelievable. Unbelievable game. And let's give Chris Blackman some credit today for showing up despite the Carolina loss. That's huge. Thanks, Bryce. <laughs> so I appreciate that. You're, uh, you're taking a beating and, uh, yeah, you, you, uh, you sucked it up and, and, and came – to the studio despite the loss. Well, a couple other big topics from the weekend and the XFL making their second debut as a league was very interesting. I was intrigued. I, I, I made sure I was around at two o'clock to, to watch the start of a new league. And my biggest takeaway was this it was very interesting, it was fun to watch. The, the 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 things that they said were going to make them stand out as a league kind of lived up to it they delivered the the rule changes the kickoff was really cool the 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 sideline interviews the the access that they provided all of that kind of lived up to the hype but for me as a sports fan if i'm not invested in a specific team or a specific player i have a tough time really engaging in the sport and so I like the sport of football I like the sport of basketball but as much as I mean I I I do I love both but when I'm gonna watch college basketball and I'm gonna dedicate two hours three hours to a game it's got to be Duke it's got to be Duke basketball now during March Madness I'll watch anything and everything basically start to finish but a but a Tuesday night Random, you know, Purdue and Ohio State. Uh, I'm not going to watch two hours of that. With the XFL, these eight teams, I don't have a connection to any of the franchises. Uh, Bob Stoops was a guest on the show, so I'm at least somewhat interested in, in Dallas. But the quarterbacks, you know, Landry Jones is somewhat intriguing, Cardell Jones is somewhat in, intriguing, but I'm not an Oklahoma fan or an Ohio State fan. So, I just don't have the strong connection to be emotionally attached. And so, like you just heard, you hear you heard the fandom and the emotions as a Duke fan. Like I was riding that game. I, I've been a fan since I was 10 years old. This is a brand new league with no allegiance, no, it's not a city that I'm, you know, I can't go down the street and watch a game. So I'm not anti XFL. I, I think it was cool. I, I think I'll find myself, you know throwing it on the second TV on a Saturday or a Sunday. If I'm maybe watching something else, I'll keep an eye on it. And if they add some more intriguing players, I could get more into it. But week in, week out, I'm not going to watch every game. I'm not going to dedicate my whole Sunday to it like I do during the NFL because I'm invested in the Carolina Panthers. I'm invested in my fantasy football teams. I, I know most of the players, especially on offense, through fantasy. So there's always a player I want to watch. There's always a quarterback that I want to see. The XFL doesn't quite have that, and so uh, that's where I come out on it. And, and I know there's apparently they did, they did research. There are 40 million fans, football fans that just want more football. I don't know if I would put myself in that category because Saturday night I'm watching Duke Carolina. I'd rather watch college basketball this time of year. I'm about to get into the NBA playoffs coming up, you know, and, and the NBA second half of the season. Next weekend I'll be watching all the All-Star festivities and like March Madness. That's three, four weekends in a row of college basketball that I'll be all in on. And, and so, yeah, that, that's where I come out. Where, what was your view of XFL going in, and, and did you end up watching much of it?
2: I feel like for me it felt like too soon. Um, and this is the, last weekend, you know, we go watch the Super Bowl – Sunday afternoon, we're hanging out at the house. I put it on, look at it, and my wife pipes up. She says, wait, wait, stop. She says, I thought football season was over. That's right. Yep. And I said, well, this is something different. Um, but, yeah, the only thing – yeah, the, the connection is the main thing, Bryce. I was, the only people I was following was anybody that played at UNC. So I was Googling Elijah Hood, running back that played at Charlotte and UNC and seeing how he was doing. But, yeah, the connection just seemed like too soon. I was like, it's time to – you know, if this comes out in April or May – Maybe I'd have more interest, but I was just like, I just feel like I just invest in the playoffs, the Super Bowl, and now it's basketball season. It's like we're going towards March Madness, and it just happened too quickly for me to really rouse my interest right now.
1: Yeah, I I would – I'm trying to think when I would be more willing to be into it, like maybe July. There's not a lot of sports going on in July, but I almost – need that breather in the calendar like it's kind of nice to all right I'm not, I'm not gonna watch a ton of sports in July kind of regroup refuel catch up on the DVR from some of the, you know the movies I've recorded or whatever <laughs> and so and then gear up for the fall again so uh, yeah as much as I love football I just don't think I need the XFL so again I'm not I'm not against it and I I, I do think that there's a place for the players, like the the developmental piece of it, is really great. Just like in the NBA, the G League is very valuable, but I'm not watching the G League. Like, it's cool that there are certain Hornets players that have developed. Dwayne Bacon got a lot better by playing in the G League last year. Now he's gotten more minutes in, you know, on the regular Hornets team, but I wasn't watching him. Right. And, and so, to me, the XFL is more of that. And, you know, they came out and they, they had over 3 million viewers on Saturday for a two o'clock game. I think that's what it was. Uh, I, I saw the 3.3 million at some point whenever they were watching it. So that's a decent amount of fans that are interested in it. Can they keep that up? And even if they had a million, you know, fans per game, it's probably worth it for the XFL. They're actually not paying the players a ton of money. Um, so if they can make the, the money work, there, there is a place for it. But to be a mainstream where we're talking about it all the time and breaking down the games or following every player or having an, an XFL fantasy league, I don't think it gets to that extent. I, I really don't. So I don't, yeah. I don't have the need for it.
2: Yeah, it feels like it almost needs to be part of the NFL somehow. A minor league system or somehow coordinate with the NFL. It just seems like another thing that it'll be interesting to see if it can stand on its own.
1: Yeah, and I would I would almost rather see... The, the I don't know how you do it financially I just thought of this but the NFL rosters expanding so right now it's 53 man roster you extend to 70 80 and those 30 guys are on the XFL team or whatever you know what i mean and then maybe some free agent guys you you, you throw in there to add some depth but where they're, they're 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 a part of the Panthers all season long maybe in practices and then they're getting their game experience in the XFL, then I'd be, I'd be a little bit more drawn to that, um, where it truly is a feeder system. Because you think about AAA, like diehard baseball fans follow and keep up with how players are developing in the minor league system. And, and so you could probably you know find some level of comparison to that. But to just have a separate pro league where the talent... The The football actually looked fine. Like it wasn't bad. It wasn't, but but you still know these aren't the best players. Like you know, Cardell Jones was the third man on the roster, and well, he wasn't on an NFL roster anymore. He didn't quite make it. He was good at Ohio State, so you just kind of know, yeah, he's there. Are certain aspects of his game that just aren't that strong. Landry Jones, same thing. So if those are the guys you're trying to sell, I, I think it's tough. And some of the I wouldn't even call them gimmicks, but some of the things that they're trying. Like the sideline interviews and all of that, it was fascinating. It was eye opening. Normally, we don't see that as fans, so we were intrigued by it. But if I don't, if I'm not personally invested in those players, do I really care what they're saying on the sidelines? You know what I mean? And, and then the fact that they were they were actually uh, we could listen to the calls that were being made by the head coach uh, or the coordinators that was interesting but i don't really know what they're saying anyway. so if you don't have the context of what those plays actually mean and sometimes the commentators know what they they mean they can you know figure it out to a certain extent but the average fan you're just kind of listening to the game you know blue 42 three right three you know whatever what does that really mean? so it's cool. oh wow, we get to hear it, but i think it kind of wears off. is that am i going to tune in next saturday? And make no plans for Saturday sorry sweetie we got to watch the XFL uh, that's gonna, that's gonna be tough so that I can listen to Pep Hamilton call a, a 4-3 defense I, that's that's tough that it really yeah, is
2: it's, it's tough when it's not your team yeah it's a it's a big investment especially I mean Charlotte and the Carolinas we don't have anything here so
1: no no um so and I was texting with a buddy. He was like, oh, yeah, you watching the XFL? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's cool. I was like, yeah, there's no Panthers or, or App State guys that, uh, that you know, I'm connected to that, that I would want to watch. And he's like, oh, Taylor Heineke, I think, is on one of the teams. It's like, come on. He's like a third stringer on the Panthers. Not enough to get me really into it. So um, I, I will say this, though. I was surprised at how positive the response was. Like, I looked at Twitter and and. There just seemed to be a lot of buzz surrounding the XFL. So to their credit, they, they hit strong in week one. Most of it was positive. And, and again, I, overall, yeah, it was positive. Uh, but can it continue? That's, that's really... And can you, can you have enough of a niche to make it worth it? To where, hey, NASCAR is a niche sport. Golf is a niche sport. Uh, I think the NBA is probably a little bit more mainstream. But you've got your diehard NBA guys that are watching... Phoenix and, and Sacramento on a Tuesday night. Um, I'm in a diehard fantasy basketball league. Can you get that for the XFL if it's not the highest quality of players? Even though these guys are borderline. They've had a cup of coffee in the NFL. Maybe they're the 55th man on the roster, but again, with if, them, if they're not connected to a specific team all season long and now all of a sudden you're going to tune in February 10th or whatever, That's that's tough. So, We'd love to know your thoughts. Did you watch the XFL? Are you in? Are you a, a Dallas Renegade fan? Did you go buy a shirt? Uh, let me let me know. Send me an email. Bryce at unpackingit.com. Bryce at unpackingit.com. All right, we still got to get to unpack this and and then also uh, what's boiling Bryce. Uh, one other quick thought. Uh, I don't want to spend a ton of time on it, but I did catch the halftime with Bobby Knight returning to Indiana and such an interesting story, just the fact that it didn't end well for, for him with Indiana. There was so much bitterness on his part, and the way things ended, he was not, not a great man, not a, you know, the way he, he didn't finish well in, in Indiana, and, and he burned some bridges, listening to Dan Dockich, uh, one of his former players and assistant coaches, not speaking very highly of him, this was a few months ago, and so that interview stood out to me and kind of now comes back to mind. For all of that to to sort of uh, go under the bridge to a certain extent to say, "Hey, Bobby Knight, you won three championships here. you meant a lot to this university. there was a lot of winning, there were a lot of good things, despite some of the shenanigans and and some of the you know the the poor decisions that he made and the way he treated people uh from a sports standpoint, it was cool to see that. Man, he is Indiana basketball, and you know, this guy's an older man. He's almost eighty years old. I'm thankful that it, the reconciliation seems to be happening before it's too late. And and I always love reconciliation. Love to see forgiveness. Love to see you know just kind of two sides come back together, especially when they're so synonymous with each other. And really, Indiana basketball. Hasn't been able to turn the corner, and maybe the, this will play into that a little bit, where there's no longer that that fraction uh, or fracture uh, between him and and the university, and you know to see his son helping to bridge the gap too, and Isaiah Thomas and all his former players, and you know he did mean a lot to a lot of those guys. So I just thought it was a cool scene in sports, and whether you you like Bobby Knight or not, and it doesn't mean that all is forgotten but there there's a level of, hey, let's move on. This guy's still a legend from a coaching perspective, won a lot of games and and is Indiana basketball so uh thought it was a, thought it was a special moment from the weekend but uh but let me let me debut a, a new segment here on the show, and I need a little water to uh to get myself uh fired up for this because uh it's a segment we call. What's Boiling Bryce? And I used to do this all the time when I had a, a, a radio show uh, in college. And at that time, there, there was just a lot more boiling me. But uh, I've calmed down a lot. And for the most part, fatherhood has really given me a, a sweeter spirit. I'm, I'm filled with just so much happiness and joy, and I love it. However, there are moments during the week and moments during the, during the, the time that I get to spend with Maddie That take me to another level. And you know what those things that that triggers this, this feeling and emotion to boil up inside of me? Snaps. Snaps on her pajamas. So every night when I put her to bed, I have to make the choice between zipper pajamas and snaps slash buttons. And I don't know who to blame. I don't know if I should blame whoever thought of designing snaps. Do I blame that person? Do I blame the person that thought snaps on a a three to six month old baby would be a good idea? Do I blame the, the, you know, a lot of people gave us very nice uh, clothes at different, you know, baby showers and all that kind of thing. Do I blame them for buying such an item that would have snaps for a baby? Do I blame my wife for allowing these clothes to continue to be used in our home. Do I do I blame my wife for making me be the one to put these clothes on little Maddie? So I don't know who to blame. But 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 every time I I, I go to grab this item of clothing and I recognize that these little snaps this tiny little snap has to be put into this little tiny hole while Maddie is going nuts on the changing table. Now she's having a great time we're we're loving life we're laughing we're having a good time she's moving and to try to get those little snaps to come together is one of the most challenging things in life and and it, it it's so frustrating because i can't i can't always do it it takes so much time it's so difficult and to think that somebody thought that that was a good idea for a little baby to have these snaps that just try to get there it's just exhausting it's painful and exhausting you've got a seven month old How have you handled the snaps for pajamas?
2: The snaps are difficult, Bryce, and I feel your pain. (laughs) The zipper is an easy way to go. Um, All
1: zippers. I only want zippers. That's it.
2: Yeah, normally at that time, you know, they're tired. They know bedtime's coming. They're flailing. Flailing. I I have implemented a new strategy, though. Ooh. I'll get the first couple snaps. You know, they're starting to cry. I'll just pick them up, start walking with them, and then I'll start working on the snaps once he kind of calms down. Wow, so, you're
1: multi-talented.
2: So I'm cheating a little bit, but the snaps are ridiculous. And there's like 37 of them. Oh, my goodness. And, 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 well, uh,
1: don't even get me started on the design of where the snaps go. Because once you get – I mean, they don't even line up. You can't even – you have to guess. The other day I, I looked at I, – I, there was just this huge opening. And I go, I don't know where this snap matches up with the other snap. It makes no sense. And then you, you snap like the legs – that go to the you know the stomach, it's beyond me. I'm not I'm, I guess I'm not smart enough to handle it. But but your strategy is interesting. You do it while moving, so he, he calms down in your arms. I guess is that the key?
2: Yeah. After the first couple months, I was like, this is impossible. You know, you're sitting there for 20 minutes just trying to snap this thing together, oh. and it's this little you know this little baby, little baby, just flailing around,
1: little piece of fabric.
2: You can't do it. And I was like, I just I'll just get the main ones, the first four, and then we'll start walking.
1: Oh, calm man. them down
2: so it's uh so so you're in charge of the whole bedtime r- routine
1: start to finish yeah jody helps she fills up the bath and she'll prepare the the bottle of milk but other than that it's it's daddy time it's daddy maddie time so have,
2: have you uh have you thrown away any of these snaps have you removed <laughs> any from your house price
1: <laughs> well it's like the game of when i pick what to wear i mean i'm going zippers only but then you know sometimes the the laundry gets behind and and you're stuck with the with the snaps and I mean, we have this one outfit that just we, we, it, needs, it needs to be removed. It needs to be removed from the house because it does it doesn't add up and it it just causes unnecessary stress. It's hard enough it's hard enough to be a new dad to then throw in the snaps. so I'm on a crusade to eliminate snaps I, I won't allow us to, if we ever buy any baby gifts for anyone. We're not buying snaps for anyone. From here on out, we won't accept any gifts with snaps. Please return this. We're going to find something else. So uh, so anyway, I love being a dad, but I don't, I don't like the snaps. So that's what's, bo- that's what's boiling me this week. If you've solved the snap issue, if you have any answers, please send me an email, Bryce at unpacking It. Dot com. All right. Let's transition to a little encouragement. Uh, sorry to go uh, negative town there, but uh, let, let's wrap things up with, with unpack this. And so each day we send out a, a devotional uh, that takes a, a current sports story, relates it to the Bible, relates it to our own lives. And you can sign up to receive unpack this for free. Get it directly in your email inbox. Just go to unpacking slash subscribe. And so today's topic is of course about Duke and UNC the big story uh man from the weekend in in my opinion and so uh the the question asked today why did UNC lose and i think it's very simple you have to point to the missed free throws when you miss 17 free throws and shoot 55% shooting from the free throw line that's the reason UNC lost Duke can get a ton of credit for the nice comeback and the shots that that Jones made and Moore hitting the buzzer beater and all that kind of thing, but if UNC hit their free throws, they would have won this game. So what does that come down to? Basically, missed opportunities. And and Roy Williams talked about missed opportunities after the game as well. And 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 so there, there's really nothing easier or simpler or more free than than free throws. It, it's just an opportunity. To score when the clock's not moving, and you know you're getting Duke in foul trouble, you go to the line. You got to hit your free throws, but UNC missed opportunities to extend the lead, to keep Duke, you know, from coming back, and and especially the the crucial free throws down the stretch uh, were especially costly. And so, what were some of the reasons that that UNC missed these free throws? It's hard to really know, but you can think about. Maybe they were distracted. you know it's easy just a lot going on at the when you step to the line, you can get distracted. Sometimes pressure takes over. sometimes you're just not practicing your free throws. you're not taking free throws seriously. Uh, you're not following through. you're coming up short instead of extending. you got to extend your, your arm, get the follow through, make sure it goes into the into the basket. Maybe you're shooting too strong or, or sometimes you're overthinking it and and so all of those factors can go into a missed free throw. And, and so they, they allowed the game to slip away. And so the parallel that I find in our own lives is the reality that we all miss opportunities in life. We, we let opportunities slip by us each day. And, and so you know we, for each of us, we kind of step to the free throw line, so to speak, with different opportunities. Sometimes it's an opportunity to show others compassion, to give to serve, to forgive, uh, to share an encouraging word, to to sacrificially love our spouses, to spend quality time with our kids, and most importantly, to tell others about Jesus, to to show his love, to show his grace, to to explain that the hope and, and the joy that we have is found in him. And so those are all opportunities that we have when we interact with people. But oftentimes, we're not taking advantage of the free throw line. Because we're distracted. We're, we're not taking these opportunities seriously. Maybe we're, you know, we're not extending a helping hand. We're, we're coming up short. And, and, and you know, the, the simplicity of showing others compassion is available, uh, but sometimes we overthink it. And, and so uh, those are some of the, the excuses or reasons for why we've got <laughs> poor free throw shooting, so to speak. And for UNC, they didn't need to be perfect from the line. And likewise, we don't have to be perfect from, from the free throw line, but, but we, we can't let opportunities slip away, and we need to be consistent and reliable. And, and so that's, that's what they, UNC needed to be. They needed to be consistent and reliable. And so a couple verses to uh, encourage us today. First one in Galatians, it says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. And then in Colossians, it says, conduct yourself with wisdom in your interactions with outsiders, non-believers. So there's a verse about the believers and non-believers. And then in Colossians, it says, make the most of each opportunity, treating it as something precious. And then in 1 John 3, 17, it says, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? And so whether it's you know, encouraging other believers and coming alongside, supporting them, or, or having the, the, the right attitude and condu- conducting ourselves the right way with non believers. All of these are opportunities for us to knock down free throws. Easy opportunities, simple opportunities to, to take advantage of serving, giving, and, and showing the love and grace of Jesus. So that's my encouragement for us today. Let's knock down some free throws. So I hope you're willing to unpack that. Really appreciate you listening to Unpacking It Today. Chris, great having you in studio. Any, Thanks, Bryce. Any final thoughts as we, uh, we wrap things up today? Make
2: your free throws and UNC wins that game. That's all I got.
1: <laughs> That's right. Well, he's Chris Blackman. I'm Bryce Johnson. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sins. He was resurrected, and through faith, I have been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a wonderful week, and we'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast.
0: For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit That's unpackin'it.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T dot We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, Visit unpackinit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.